When an employee is going through a tough personal time, what do you do? What kind of help can you and your company offer them? And how do you put policies in place to ensure all of your team have the support they need when they need it most? My name is Skadiel, and I'm one of the co-founders here at Gusto. And today I'm joined by Aaron Patchell, the founder of the Positivist Group and host of the Weirdos in the Workplace podcast. Aaron, really nice to uh, have you on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me here, Skay. Well, I am a professional problem solver. I've been in the field of operations, marketing, and human resources for over the past 15 years. And I love working with startups and small and medium-sized companies to help them build operational excellence, create more of an impact in the workplace and in their world, and start you know, benchmarking and growing their businesses. So that's what I do. <laughs> How how long has the Positivist Group been been going? Yeah, we're a, we're a pretty new startup. We've been around for about the last year and a half since I left my 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 beautiful corporate job that I actually loved a lot. Um, I'm not one of those stories that's like, oh, I left in some dramatic fashion. I love the work that I do, but the vision drew me to leaving the organization, an organization that I love dearly and still work with, and. Um, you know, we're still good friends. They're still, they were my first client. And so what what sorts of kind of organizations do you typically work with? Large, small, yep. uh, specific kind of uh, industries, things like that? We work with primarily uh, professional services, manufacturing, IT, and we've started uh, working with quite a few retailers as well. And uh, the retailers is something completely new to me. So that's been very, very interesting. And typically small to medium-sized companies and startups for now. And I'm working directly with business owners as well as my team. Awesome. Well, uh, congrats on kind of getting getting that off the ground. It's it's never easy kind of making the transition from the uh, the the corporate job to kind of get getting your own thing going. So uh, so way to go. Um, let's get into kind of today's topic here, all about navigating kind of personal crisis in in the workplace. And so, first question for you. What are some examples of uh, personal crisis that people leaders might need to support an employee with? What have you seen? Well, I mean, I'd love to give you a personal example, actually. Um, so, you know, three, I guess it was about three, almost three years ago, it was uh, at the height of the pandemic. Uh, and, you know, this led me to one of the reasons I think why I went through that, you know, kind of a dramatic life change to decide to leave a company that I'd been with for, you know, over eight years at the time. Um my son, we learned that my son had cancer. And so um, my 16-year-old, you know, I was a fairly young mom. I had I had him when I was 21 years old. And uh, by the time I was 25 years old, I had three kids. And then, I mean, just, uh, you know, 16 years later, find out that this beautiful human that I created um, was very, very sick. And so he had, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And that was um, an eye-opening moment for me because at at the time, I'd been quite a workaholic, and you can probably see if you do take a look at my CV, you can see that there's quite um, a career trajectory that happened. It feel, looks like it kind of happened almost suddenly. Um, and that's because I was very, very focused on my career, very passionate, purpose-driven in my career. And then all of a sudden, this event happened, you know, and I had to completely, and we all had to, the whole family um, had to completely react and change different and 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 adapt to this new environment, new scenario that we were faced with. Um, and then obviously, you know, I was lucky to have been, you know, kind of growing up in a culture in this uh, work environment that allowed me to 
have the exact um, scenario that I needed in order to survive and thrive through that mo- that time. And I'm very lucky that my son's my son's good. He's almost two years out of treatment now, which is like cancer terms for like you know in remission basically. Um, so that's very good. And still, knock on wood, you know, he's still feeling very healthy. Um, but the reality is, like, I wouldn't have been able to thrive. I wouldn't have been able to continue, you know, working how I could work, uh, making progress, delivering results, and also being there for my family in an extremely traumatic time if my work hadn't been able to work with me on that. And this isn't like a governance situation. It's not a policy situation. This is a people situation, right? It's a human to human challenge. So um, that is just one example of a crisis that can happen to people in the workplace. And I mean, there's so many, so many different examples. Well, thank you for sharing that, Erin. I'm sure, you know, kind of going through that would have been just unbelievably tough. Our family, um, you know, went through something kind of similar. My wife battled cancer for a number of years and, um, is, uh, is in remission, uh, for, we, we just passed kind of the five-year mark now. So having gone through that experience, Aaron, what, like, what was it that your company did or your HR team did at the time that, that helped you kind of face that crisis and, and maybe on the other end of the spectrum, like, what have you seen companies do poorly or, or what are some things that HR folks should think about kind of avoiding? Uh, well, I mean, the one thing that they did well is they got to know me, you know, my, my manager, I was reporting directly to the owner of the company. Um, but he was always very much, you know, focused on getting to know each person as a human being. And I think that's really important. Um, and so I don't think this is an HR responsibility. And I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that because I think we, we think things are HR responsibilities when the person in your company who you have the greatest rapport with is your manager, you know? And so I think I think HR is there to guide and advise your manager, you know, on what they can do and what they can't do from a policy perspective, you know, to make sure that we're, we have a level of excellence, level, you know, of understanding within the organization. But really, your manager is going to be the person who cares about you, hopefully, right? And so um, the manager should be that should be their responsibility to get to know their team members at a level of depth and relationship so that when something happens, you know, we can ask those hard questions, we can have those hard conversations and we can say, you know, what exactly do you need so that we can adapt best to you so you can thrive and continue to survive through this scenario and we can too, right? So it's 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 about having finding that win-win, finding the yes and in the scenario, but it all starts with having that personal relationship. That's it, you know. Thinking back to kind of like the audience here, that that is uh, a lot of kind of people leaders, HR leaders. Then that the thing that I'm hearing from you, then is their biggest responsibility is training managers on on just kind of hey, somebody's going through a personal crisis. Take take the time to kind of and, and even outside of personal crisis, it's one of the one of the key pieces of leadership, right? Like get to know your team. Absolutely, you know, it, we want especially corporations or organizations that value innovation, creativity, autonomy, things like this, like values like this, we want to have, we want to create a big sandbox to play in, you know? And so we can't have policies that are so restrictive and prescriptive that prevent people from, from 
being agile, being flexible, and being able, being able to adapt to different scenarios, very unique scenarios. And it doesn't have to be a personal crisis. It could just be, you know, maternity leave, something that's planned, but that's, you know, that's disruptive, right? Um, and so we want to create the boundaries. Policies create that structure and boundaries and accountability. So we know, you know, where the standards are, where the guardrails are. And then the culture really is what, you know, I think the next level of what HR is responsible, partly responsible for supporting and nurturing, you know, so providing the culture, kind of the benchmarking of the culture and the guidance of the culture and nurturing the culture and um, providing, you know, the education that can drive the culture that you're looking for. And that sort of fills in the gaps where the policy just, there's just not enough detail. You could never go into enough detail to adapt to every scenario, right? So, you know, who are we? How do we want to work as a team? Um, How are managers expected to support their teams? You know, giving them the permission. Want to build a better culture for your employees? In Culture is the Ultimate Advantage, we detail our methodology for building a culture that employees love and that drives results. Go to get.gusto.com forward slash culture to get your copy. If if a manager kind of comes to you as a people leader and is helping a um, an employee through kind of a crisis and they need sort of extra support or accommodations, how, how do you work with that manager um, to kind of go and advocate to leadership for, for what that person needs? I mean, it depends on whether, you know, this is where policies come in handy, right? Because policies allow us to delegate that responsibility. If, if we do have a policy in place, we can say, uh, oh, it's, it's the policy that we, you know, the, we have, this is the, our mat leave scenario, or this is our, you know, this is what we can give to people um, in, in this, in a crisis situation. Right. Um, and having policies that are kind of, maybe a little more uncomfortable than we'd like, you know, not just the bare minimum, not what the legal requirement is, but really going a little bit more above and beyond because it is worth it in most scenarios. Like, I mean, I was a very valued member of the team that I was on when my son got sick, you know, and in another workplace, you know, that had restrictive policies around something like this, I may not have been able to stay. I may not have been able to work through the situation. You know, I was working from the hospital. I was working on the road. I was working from wherever, right? You know, just to try to make ends meet, you know, obviously making sure that my priorities, my family priorities were taken care of. That's a, that was my number one priority. But, you know, my work was also my baby. It was really important to me too. Um, so, you know, having, making sure that people can continue their level of engagement. Um it was worth it for them to work with me, you know? And I think that if you have a culture where you're engaging your people, you're using them to their best strengths, their curiosity is leveraged. They're, you know, they're going to create a bigger impact in the workplace and it's worth it to work with them, to go a little bit extra, to do the extra mile. Um, and so I think HR leaders really need to think about why we're doing this in the first place so that we can help, you know, manage upward and influence upward. And hopefully leaders are starting to get it anyways. And I'm seeing leaders all over the place just starting to get this. You know, they're starting to understand how important people are, especially now in this economy that we're in right now. You want to keep your your great people. Your pe- people are important. And they're it, this is only going to get 
it's going to get more and more challenging. Talent management, talent resourcing is only going to continue to get more and more and more challenging. And so it's even more important to keep people in your workplace and have them stay. If if you're kind of going in and consulting with a, an organization that might be kind of starting from the ground up, building some of these policies, or, or probably has a number of kind of baseline policies in place, but but are looking to kind of like really improve, where do you typically kind of start with your clients? I don't like to just jump in and do anything. So we like to work really slowly and gather information first. We start always start with research, right? Um, I think it's really important not to just go in, you know, and start changing things. It's really important to get to know who you're working with. So we like we always like to start with small projects. We don't start on we don't start like reinventing things until we have a pretty deep level of understanding of our clients. Uh, I think that organizations that can go that go in with the it's like the scalpel, you know, I think that can be uh, counterproductive in the long term. So we like to go in and make sure that you have, you know, your data uh, um, system set up to gather data, you know, benchmark your KPIs, your, you know, human resources data, and then take a look at that, see what the stories are saying, go in, actually talk to real humans, you know, boots on the ground, do your gamba walks, right? Um, really get a handle on the situation. Where are the friction points? You know, and then we can start looking at policies. And sometimes there are very, very simple things that are very meaningful. Um, I had one client, we did a values exercise and he was really frustrated just around, you know, why isn't my general manager making the decisions the way that I would want to make them, even though I feel like we've had this conversation so many times, you know, like it's always customer excellence is really important, but we profitability is even more important because without profit, we don't have a company, right? Um, so why is customer excellence or customer service constantly being prioritized over profitability? We took a look at the values and what do you know, um, prof- profitability was third on the values list where customer excellence was was number one, you know? And it can be as simple as as that. It can be just as simple as, you know, redefining a few words and it makes such a big difference. So, you know, when the nuance, when something is that nuanced, we really need to get to understand who our client is, who what their goals are and what they're looking to achieve before we make any or recommend any changes to be made, you know? Okay, I'm going to go go back. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned there kind of some of the people analytics, some of the the HR data. What are what are some typical kind of data points that you you ask clients for um, KPIs on kind of the HR side just to to get started with your engagement? Oh yeah, um, turnover like that's a big one. You know, turnover engagement data. Um, if they're doing culture surveys, you know, what are they measuring on their culture surveys? What are the different? Uh, what are their demographics? What are the the their equity statistics? Are they measuring those? Like we like to know all these things, and obviously it depends on what their values are, you know, what they care about. Um, but because we work with pro- impactful businesses, purpose-driven businesses, um, the folks who tend to work with us are the ones who care about these things, right? Um, it's just they don't necessarily have the systems in place always to measure them or they're doing it, but it's more, you know, it's a bit more qualitative. It's a bit more, um, you know, conversational. It's 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 not like, you know, system Right, kind of uh, anecdotal. Yeah. Um, 
kind of bring bring things back here for a second to kind of like personal crisis situations um it it can sometimes be difficult to walk that line between being there for the employee and being respectful of their personal privacy and so in those types of situations um how do you kind of know what is appropriate you ask <laughs> you know you you just have to ask um how how much do you want me to be involved? You know, like I want to support you how you need to be supportive. Um, some people and give them context. Some people, you know, want, you know, more support. Some people want less support. Some people like the distraction of work. That was me. You know, I wanted to be distracted. I didn't want to go home and just sit at home for eight hours you know, like I would just be, it would just be awful for me. I needed that distraction of work to keep me focused on something positive that wasn't what was going on in my life, you know, but other people, they want to focus totally and completely on the situation at hand. And it's just, they're very different styles. Everyone has a different way of going about things. So the only way to know how much privacy your employee wants and or needs is, is by asking them. And in order for them to be honest with you, you need to have that trust built with them already so that you can trust what they're saying is true, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. And when when there are situations where an employee needs um, an accommodation that the company isn't able to or isn't prepared to kind of um, provide, how, how do you kind of, how do you manage that as both kind of a, an HR leader and as kind of their direct manager, what, what have you advised kind of people in those roles to to do when the when that leadership team just says, "Sorry, we're not we're not doing that." I mean, at the end of the day, it's the business, right? Um, you know, there's a reason why we say, you know, per, we say purpose, purpose and profits, purpose and profit, um, and you need both in order to have a thriving business. So. Uh, being real with people, hopefully they know the story of your company. So this is not like, you can't just jump into this scenario with zero context and and hope that it's going to go well. You know, that is a risk. But if you're building a story with this person over time, you're explaining to them why you do things like why this is how we make decisions in this company. This is what's important to us. So you've built that bank of equity with a person, that relationship equity. So when you go to them and you say, hey, listen, this is really unfortunately not in the cards because of these reasons, because it's just, you know, this is not possible. Let's see what we can do. Like, is there some compromise we can make here? You know, they're going to have, there's a much greater chance that they're not going to walk away from that conversation um, in the, and it's going to be some some kind of traumatic scenario for them, right? So uh, building that relationship equity is is really important, especially when it comes to having those difficult conversations where you have to be really real with people. And then obviously, like knowing what the thought process is, like I, I started, I had a habit. It was a habit that I started by accident and that my employees loved. And it was like, I would literally narrate all my thoughts. Like I'd narrate all my thoughts, decisions. I'd be like, it gave them an opportunity to say, well, there's a gap. There's a gap. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't, oh, I get that. That makes sense. You know? Um, and so narrate, just, just think out loud. This, we should, we need to stop um, making thinking out loud this, this big bad thing, you know, 
because people actually really appreciate knowing what the thinking process is behind things. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like that kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, beyond kind of crisis situations, you know, transparency for leadership on why decisions are being made uh, has has so many benefits that kind of cascade down. And we see that um, in our business, working with our team, but also in kind of talking with all of our clients on kind of uh, uh, their recognition programs and and why they're structuring kind of recognition programs the way they are, communicating those decisions out to employees so that everyone's kind of aware of like, hey, this is this is the program we decided to go with and here's how we're kind of doing it now and here's why and you know maybe in the future we might kind of change a few things but this seems to make the most sense right now absolutely yep Aaron, it's been uh fantastic having you here for uh, uh a conversation how do how do folks kind of um kind of get a hold of you follow you Where, where's the best place to do that um well i'm a big fan of linkedin so you can find me at uh, linkedin.com slash in slash Aaron dash Patchell. So it's E-R-I-N dash P-A-T-C-H-E-L-L or at positivist.ca, P-O-S-I-T-I-V-I-S-T dot C-A is the website. Yeah, those are the best two ways of getting a hold of me. And and definitely check out uh, Aaron's podcast. So she's got a, a podcast going kind of weirdos in the workplace. Um, just wrapping up season one, you said? That's right. Wrapping up season one, gearing up for season two, starting April 3rd, where we're inviting 30 professional problem solvers on the podcast to talk about real world, real workforce issues. And that's going to be a great time. Maybe you should come on my podcast, Sky. All right, let's do it. Let's I do like it. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, thanks so much, Aaron. Have a great day. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you got some value from this podcast and want to help other companies improve their culture, be sure to follow us and leave a rating and a review. Better yet, help us get the word out and share this show with your colleagues and peers. Mucho gusto.